Ray Coob and Marcus Goldman here to remind you that summer vacation is all we ever needed. So we're taking a few weeks off from making new episodes. Bent News will continue, but we're going to spread out and enjoy some summer. Right, partner? Absolutely. We need to enjoy the sun, the water, the mountains, the air. And we get to read and do some research for some upcoming episodes also. That's right. The next stretch of Rock and Roll Highway. We're getting it ready here. And thanks for always being part of the imbalanced history of rock and roll. It's time for an episode of Sibling Rivalries on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll brought to you by Boldfoot Socks at boldfoot.com and by Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hatboro, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. I'm Ray Koob. I'm Marcus Goldman. And today we're going to talk about probably the most famous and certainly the hottest in the press these days. Sibling rivalry between the Gallagher boys, uh, Liam and Noel, the members of Oasis. But we're also going to talk about their incredible music and their career. And then we're going to talk about the feud that rages on through the decades and really has been back and forth lately. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy how much these guys feud in the press when they could really just pick up a phone and yell at each other that way. So we didn't have to hear it. <laughs> well, you think your tabloid's a fool. True. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. And it appears that their sibling rivalry, Marcus, comes from a different combination of elements. First, uh, the age spacing of the three Gallagher brothers. Uh, Liam, the youngest by five years, then Noel, and Paul was the oldest. And because of that, Noel and Liam had to share a bedroom. There's the beginning of it. You know, I think of that commercial now I'm seeing for uh, Amazon, I think, where the kids are fighting constantly until the mom buys them the cool tent beds. You seen that one yet? <laughs> and <laughs> no. they're just fighting because they're in the same space and bumping each other. Stay I on your side that of the room, that kind of stuff. It could, be, it could be part of the equation. Maybe. Now, something that happened in their family that is part of their history, and we can talk about it. Their dad was a cruel, abusive drunk, and that didn't help anybody. Uh, Mom ended up splitting with him and then staying there for a few more years till she could move out with her boys. And I think that that whole experience led to a general teenage malaise for the older two, especially. It also impacted their behavior today and as adults, without a doubt, look how they handle situations. Look at the issues that they've had with alcohol and cocaine and uh, some of the things that have happened along the way. So, Well, Paul and Noel became truants, ne'er-do-wells, some would say. Uh, Noel getting a probation sentence for nicking something in a store, that kind of stuff. And that kind of sets the stage for where things were. Liam was a little brother. But he was also a pretty talented little brother, and not to be overlooked, right? That is true. Another seed of this sibling rivalry may come from the fact that when Liam had the thing going, Noel offered to be their songwriter and leader of the young siblings group, and they asked him to be their manager, which I think was an insult, indicating that he was too old to be in their band, right? Am I wrong on that? I'm thinking, nah. like, this is the seeds of all the sniping that continues through to today, right there. Ugh. <sighs> 
And it continued into their band days, most notably Noel and Liam fighting over who should sing what. Liam wanted to sing Wonderwall. Noel let him have it. And then did the number one, Don't Look Back in Anger, ironically, which turned out to be a bigger single. And I think Liam, shown there and in other ways, had the youngest child issues that so many sibling rivalries seem to be fueled by as well. So there are some of the seeds of a sibling rivalry and it exceeds so many of the other ones that we have discussed so far. And what we'll talk about later in the episode, Marcus, is the fact that they're still sniping each other all the time and that we kind of discuss here the beginnings of that and how it started. And oh yeah, they made music too. It was pretty fucking good too. I got to say at the beginning, it was really good. Oh, they made some fantastic music. I'm a big fan of those first two albums. Big (sighs) fan. How many other people feel that way? And then up and down about the future releases by this band. I think there's a number of people who feel that way. Yes. Well, let's talk about those albums. The first one released in August of 94, definitely maybe kind of hinting at their uh, passive aggressive kind of thing. Yeah, definitely maybe, you know. The songs are well-crafted, and for a debut album, they did a great job writing and putting this album together. Owen Morris, Mark Coyle, David Batchelor helped produce the record. They released five singles, Supersonic, Shaker Maker. Live Forever and Cigarettes and Alcohol. We played at a radio station I worked at in Denver at the time, played Supersonic, Live Forever, and we also played Slide Away from this album. And I love Slide Away. It's my favorite of the songs on this record, but this album really hit me hard. I thought I just really enjoyed the hell out of it when it first came out and was really stoked to play it on the radio. As successful as it was here in the U.S., it became the fastest-selling debut album in the U.K. at that time and eventually went eight times platinum there. Wow. That's crazy. When Noel comes into the picture, they were called Rain or The Rain, and it was the guys who would be Oasis minus Noel. So that's where they were as they were getting into making all this. And the production and the way it all came together all well noted in just an incredible debut album that definitely made a huge impact here in the U.S. with the alternative crowd that was really starting to find a place to call home on the radio and clubs and shows, and the scenes were as different as the music was. Any band could come along and appeal to a slice of the growing alternative rock crowd. They come back in 1995, a little over a year later, with What's the Story, Morning Glory? One of those catchy phrases, right? Very much. And it's about cocaine. What? It I is. Know that. Yeah. I never knew that. No. I Listen to the that. lyrics closely. Pretty wild. Do I have to? Yes, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll be uh, the first to admit that I was never the biggest Oasis fan. 
I saw all my friends who dug it and were deep into it and all that, and I got it. It just wasn't my thing, Marcus. But how can you deny how great some of these songs are? In fact, most of the songs on these first two albums have some merit from, you know, middle of the stack to the top. Seriously. Oh, no doubt about it. All the way through this second album is solid. It shuts down with Champagne Supernova, which is a beautiful song. Morning Glory, I remember how excited we were when we played it. And it just has this wild rocking energy to it. And it just moves you. And they kind of move all over the place on the record. You have Don't Look Back in Anger, which was their biggest hit. But Wonderwall still gets a lot of play on like radio. And you'll hear it at restaurants. You'll hear it at bars all the time. They have aged well with their music, and people still remain uh, faithful to their songs. One of the things that's worth bringing up, and maybe it's an additional factor in their sibling rivalry, almost all of the songs on those first two albums are written by Noel. And in that regard, I guess some people started to see it as his band, even though Liam and his buds had started the band when Noel came along. So you see another little layer in their sibling rivalry, even while they're having massive success, it had to be building, right? Absolutely. And these little things build up over time, as we saw it with the Kinks, as we saw it with the Robinson brothers, as we've seen it with so many other sibling rivalries in the band space over the decades. Speaking of which, we've got to do one of these sibling rivalry things about those Robinson boys and the Black Crows. Absolutely. But these guys are on a roll. They've got it going on. There's no doubt about what's going on for this band. They have become the hottest band in the world in some ways, and especially when the spotlight of the UK success. I mean, they're still number one on every album in the UK all the way through. But here at the beginning, it was unheard of. The meteoric rise, the immediate number ones, the number of albums they were selling. People were losing their damn minds, Mark. Yeah, between them and Radiohead, the British music scene was on fire at that time. So I'm trying to figure out what it is that happens in the two years till be here now. Now it still goes Mondo Platinum in England and still is a number one. And after that, I stopped paying attention for the most part, Marcus. It was a strange time for them and their fighting got worse. Yeah, their fighting was really kind of annoying and there was a lot of other good music around them coming out and... When you're projecting that kind of bullshit negative energy, people are going to be like, fuck that, man. I go to concerts to enjoy them and to enjoy the music and to sing with everybody in the crowd. And if I got to hear somebody bitching and complaining and being a dick or an asshole, I'm not going to be as interested in that. So I think that's where people were. I think a lot of people felt that way too, bro. Absolutely. And if there's other good music coming out, you got options and you use your freedom to make those choices to listen to other music. So they ended up releasing a B-Sides compilation disc in like 1998 on the heels of Be Here Now. The only single they had was Acquiesce.
Pitchfork slagged it pretty hard with the 3.7 out of 10. It got okay reviews, two and a half stars from Rolling Stone, which wasn't good. But again, these guys, especially Noel Gallagher at this point, a fantastic songwriter. He really is an excellent songwriter, and I give him a lot of props for that, but... I did not enjoy really anything off of this. This was like B-sides to singles that they released and just outtakes mm -hmm. from the studio. And it wasn't bad, but there was nothing that was catchy or striking. And let's talk about the poor bastards who were in their band who had to deal with all this <sighs> in person, on stage, and in the press, and in their lives. Paul Arthurs and Paul McGuigan and Tony McCarroll pretty much... Were the the main guys all the way through. They all stuck together, even when the brothers were flipping each other off on stage and stuff. Just some crazy stuff. And we'll get into a little bit of that in our second half of this episode of Sibling Rivalries here on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. But we floated an idea out this week in our meeting about the possibility of doing a, a little Shotgun Five Favorites on Oasis as part of our wrap-up on the first half of this episode. So what you say there, Mr. Goldman? All righty, I'll go first. All five of my favorite songs from Oasis are on the first two records. I really, really like those first two records. Where I was at in my life, these albums connected with me. And so to start at number five on my Oasis Shotgun Top 5, Live Forever from Definitely Maybe. I love that song what's your number four morning glory you named it my friend it is morning glory i remember being fired up when i played it on the radio and that's one of those songs from oasis that i still get excited to hear so number four is morning glory For the record, there's no way that I could have known that that was your number four. And I have no clue about number three either. What you got? My number three is Supersonic from that debut record. I really, really like that song. And it just was well-crafted, well-put-together.
to number two is Don't Look Back in Anger. That is a beautiful song. And they're spitting out some truths in that one. Whether they live those truths they're spitting out or not is a different story. But they are definitely spitting out some truths in uh, Don't Look Back in Anger. It's a beautiful song. And my number one, which I already mentioned, will always be my favorite Oasis song is Slide Away. I just really, really love that song. The way it opens up and gets right into the lyrics. Just pow. And that song hit me hard as a great escape when I was going through some tough times. Slide away, give it all you got. My today, fell from the top. I dream of you and all the things you said. I wonder where you are now. Hold me down. Can you do your shotgun five, Ray? I surely can. I think we have a couple matchups here. First off, my number five is Live Forever, a direct match. Bing, bing, bing. Maybe I don't really want to know how you got in girls. Cause I just want to fly. Lately, did you ever feel the pain in the morning rain? Don't you to the bone Maybe I just wanna fly Wanna live but don't wanna die Maybe I just wanna breathe Maybe I just don't believe Maybe all the same as me We see things I'll never see <laughs> What about number four? Despite its cheesy reference to gin and tonic, supersonic at number four. Number three for me is champagne supernova. How many special people change? How many lives are living strange? Where were you while we were getting high? Slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball. Where were you? Someday you will find me caught beneath the landslide in a champagne supernova in the sky. Someday you will find me caught beneath the landslide in a champagne supernova, a champagne supernova in the sky. Ooh, two out of three ain't bad. 
and a direct match. And number two, don't look back in anger. And what big song wasn't in your top five? Wonderwall. Oh, Wonderwall. That's your number well, one? No, my number one is blank. So that tells you how I feel about Wonderwall. There you go. <laughs> Our Shotgun Five favorites, Oasis, on a sibling rivalries episode this week on the podcast. No good sibling rivalry can go on too long without a public fight, a good slagging. And we're going to talk about the breakup and the back and forth, including the ramp up to this episode. It's almost like we have to send them something nice because they've been giving us such great fodder as we've been preparing to talk about their sibling rivalry, Marcus, you know? Absolutely. I'm definitely looking forward to talking about uh, some of the ridiculousness that has happened over the decades, because it is. It's really ridiculous. My brother would kick my ass if I tried a public <laughs> battle with him. He would end it that way. Just be like, nope, womp, it's over. Let's make up. And on that note, Ray, what do you say we refresh with a pint, change some socks, and come back and talk about some brothers who like to wrestle? Well, I'm already holding the door, so let's go and let's get back to it. Summertime is here, and it's time to get in and spend some time with your friends at Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hatboro. They're right there, just off York Road on Montgomery Avenue. And what goes on in the summertime, Marcus, you know you've been there when the doors are up and uh, the windows are open. Yeah, you get a nice little breeze running through the bar and you get all these tasty beers to try. And being that it's summertime, the summer beers are out. And don't forget the Salty Vets Barbecue. They've got cocktails. That's right. Craft cocktails from Pennsylvania distillers, wine, you need it. You want some cider? They got that. Take a growler home or a gift certificate for a friend who loves Crooked Eye. But stop by anytime. You can find their calendar on their Facebook page. There's always something going on. Of course, the Crooked Eye band's there the second Saturday of every month. Come out and have a brew and make a new friend because that's part of what goes on when you visit Crooked Eye Brewery. Pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. Well, we're into the active part of the year, and that means more walking with golf and just doing walks for me. And already my bold foot socks have come into play. The new ones I just got in the French Quarter in New Orleans on a vacation, Marcus, where I walked over 25 miles over the course of five days. That's awesome. And you didn't have stinky, muggy New Orleans sweaty feet, did you? No, my feet were dry. In fact, I couldn't feel them at all. It was wonderful. Hey, man, I've been wearing the socks quite a bit as well. The weather's getting nicer, and I am spending more time on my bike. I'm spending more time walking with my wife and my son. And a lot of times, I'm wearing my boldfoot socks. And when I'm doing longer rides, the boldfoot socks do wonders in wicking the sweat off my feet so they're not as stinky after a ride and not as mushy, and I like that. Swampy feet, bad. Boldfoot, good. <laughs> Check them out at boldfoot.com. Always a neat pair of socks. Anything you can want, any size, any style, you can find them at boldfoot.com. And don't forget, they give back to veterans' charities for every pair they sell. Boldfoot socks are American-grown, American-sewn. They're your feet. Be bold. 
Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Back from the break and ready to roll on more about the sibling rivalry between the Gallagher boys. It's Oasis on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. And it's their mom, Peggy, who apparently revealed in the supersonic documentary that she knew they were doomed from the start. And she cited something about an early argument between the boys. Liam comes into their shared room and he comes in all drunk and he couldn't find the light switch. So he pissed all over Noel's new stereo. I think it basically boils down to that. Well, if you weren't already pissed at your brother, literally, that'll do it, don't you think? That'll get things rolling. Oh, that builds up resentment for years right away. And even as their star is rising in interviews, they're always sniping at each other. And when the press asks about the other brother, they always seem pretty ready to throw something, you know, verbally. Yeah, they've been doing that for decades. Ever since they burst onto the scene, there's always a backhanded shot at the brother. Always in an interview. And real stuff, too, man, like the story around the MTV Unplugged session they were supposed to do and how Liam had been kind of like in a bad state as far as alcohol and whatnot. Leading up to the day and everybody not being too sure where he was, when he was coming, or if he was going to make it. It's one of those things that starts to grate on the success and continued success of the band and the other members as well as his brother. In those days, you know what Unplugged meant. Absolutely, and they shot themselves in the foot, and that was something that was hard to come back from, and their downward arc after all of this shows that they struggled, even if they wrote great songs that might have been radio-friendly, they were a walking time bomb at this point, and nobody wanted to take a chance on them when there was other music that was equally as good or almost as good out there. Oh, the drama, Marcus. And ultimately, that kind of drama draws it to a conclusion, a logical one, if you ask me. The gig is in Paris. It's the Rock on Saint Music Festival 
August 2009. While another band is playing its set at the festival, it is announced that Oasis won't be performing at the festival, with Noel issuing a public statement hours later saying, It's with some sadness and great relief to tell you that I quit Oasis tonight. People will write and say what they like, but I simply could not go on working with Liam a day longer. And that's the day the rift really came to be. That's when they started using the Daily Mail as their means of communication. (laughs) And it's when they stopped really seeing each other and... Obviously, they didn't talk face-to-face, and wow. I wonder how Peggy dealt with all of this. It's a good question, because as a mom, you don't want this for your boys. No. They went out, they conquered the world, they're doing great. They probably bought you a nice house, but you don't want that. You don't want that for your kids. Oh, Lord. So what happens after that? The signs were there early, Marcus, a gig in 94 at the Whiskey in L.A., and Liam ended up hitting Noel with a tambourine and walking off before the show's ending. All kinds of stuff like that would show up and happen. Whether it was on stage or not, didn't matter. If the fight was raging, they would uh, let it play out. Let's just say that. Another example came a year later. An audio recording of an interview they did with the NME surfaces online at a time when the internet was really becoming a thing. It was called Wibbling Rivalry, kind of a mocking thing. And it showed them just bickering. I mean, Liam tells Noel you can stick your thousand pounds right up your fucking arse till it comes out your fucking big toe after Liam. What a weird insulting thing to say. I don't know. That was his response to Noel telling Liam he was a football hooligan, which it kind of sounds like he is. And at the end of this interview, he yells at him, you think it's rock and roll to get thrown off a ferry, but it's not. I mean, it's these kind of things that only brothers could throw at each other, really. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it makes sense that they would have an ongoing problem, but it leads to an episode of MTV's Celebrity Deathmatch in 1998, where the two face off in claymation. If you remember that, Marcus, it's fucking hysterical. Right now, let's check back with Stacy Cornbread, who's still in the locker room with the Gallagher brothers. Stacy, how's the mood back there? Well, Johnny, as you can see, these two brothers may hate each other's guts, but there's one thing that can still bring them together, and that's the music. You're out of tune, you shaggy bum licker. Pistol! You're the one that's out of tune! Oh, yeah! Yeah! Come on, you bloody bastard! You wanna have a go at me? Stacy, what's going on in there? Never mind. That celebrity deathmatch is hilarious. They fight when they're not drinking. They fight when they're drinking. They quit the band and come back. They fight like only brothers can, I think. Absolutely. They definitely fight like brothers. But yeah, Noel keeps quitting the band and coming back. I'm curious as to what makes him keep coming back. Maybe it's mom. (laughs) That's just me being funny, but you know, (laughs) you don't know. A few years down the line, Noel says he'd rather eat his own shit than be in a band with Liam again. Kind of makes it hard to really try to patch things up, no matter what mom says, right? He's a miserable little fuck, if you know what I mean. But if the fans want it, though, I'd do it. So he uh, contradicts himself by the end of the interview, too. That's the other thing is that none of this makes any sense, right? In response to Liam being kind of an a-hole to Noel, 
Noel used to prey on his fears of ghosts and things like that on tour and would practical right. joke the daylights out of him just to mess with him. And I heard about that. That's crazy, right? That's totally a douche nozzle thing to do. Noel calls him a pouting potato at one point, and it led to a whole string of potato tweets and insults back and forth. And he even admits it's stupid and it's childish and we should know better, but we don't. These are the things that go on through the years. This recent string of events has its start in Noel Gallagher's cover of Joy Division's Love Will Tear Us Apart. So I guess you'd say the reviews weren't really great. A lot of the press said he shouldn't have done it. And if that wasn't enough, little brother Liam apologizes on behalf of the Gallagher family in public for Noel's piss poor and damn right blasphemous cover of the Joy Division classic. <laughs> Taking it to a whole new level, bro. I would have to say that would definitely slow down any shot at a reunion anytime soon. Now, this is only a week ago from when we're recording this. So just a few weeks down the line, anything could happen between this session and when it actually comes out to be heard. So and just tack on the other stuff that comes out, you know, in your own mind. Let's just put it that way, okay? I just can't get over the review that says Ian Curtis would be turning in his grave. No kidding. So, upon hearing that, you know that Big Brother's got something to say to his brother Liam. And this is where it gets even nastier, man. In his reply to that, Brother Noel says he should focus on what's left of his hairdo, which is really a big insult for two brothers anyway, but especially these two guys who have their, you know, kind of trademark dues, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, would you say that back to anybody else but your brother? I don't even think I would say that to my brother. No. Noel makes another comment that gets him into it saying that a uh, very popular band, especially in the UK, the 1975, that they're shit and they're not rock. I don't know what he was drinking. I don't know how he ends up having a microphone thrust into his face asking him about these things, but it's clear he's not a fan. You don't have to slag everybody. I know you're in the habit of slagging your brother left and right, and he fights back. He gives as good as he gets, but what the hell did those guys do to you? That's what I want to ask him if I could, you know? Maybe the fact that they're bigger than Oasis was, or maybe the fact that more people like him than they like the high-flying birds. Whatever rock is, that's not it. And I think there's a lot of people who would disagree with you there, no. But the band's frontman, Matt Healy, called him a slack-jog fuckwit. <laughs> told him to grow up. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. He also told them there's not one kid, not one person going to a high-flying birds gig, that's Noel's band, or a Liam Gallagher gig that would not rather be at an Oasis gig. That's pretty harsh. Well, given the insult thrown at his band, I think he felt free to let fly. Oh, absolutely. I'm not criticizing him at all. And But it is harsh. You're right. But it's also pretty damn true. And this is all in the last couple of weeks, Marcus. Can you believe this shit? It's unbelievable. Man. It's oh, wild. God. One of the great feuds. And in this case, they're pretty much taking on all comers. Wouldn't you say, come De on, I'll fight you. Definitely, man. They're not afraid to say anything about anybody to anybody, which is fine. That's who they are. 
Noel Gallagher was recently interviewed by a radio station out in Seattle called KPNW, and they were talking about the high-flying birds and mm-hmm. his current work. But, of course, if you're talking to a Gallagher, the subject of Oasis is going to come up. And he basically said he knows that neither of them are particularly interested in the reunion. He knows that he doesn't want it. He's very comfortable with what he's doing. He could give a flying fuck one way or the other, but he keeps going on and on about it, and I'm like okay well fucking call us then so basically his brother liam is the one keeping it alive but they both are and he's daring his brother to call him will his brother call him their therapist would say guys we've talked about this passive aggressive behavior before and here comes liam with one last shot on twitter (laughs) listen Noel, i know you check my tweets call me i'm actually concerned about you we all are you don't seem yourself come on big guy pick it up says the guy who tweeted without punctuation hello These two guys are totally just fueling a fire and trying to maybe even maximize value so that when they do reunite, they will get top dollar. In their wheelchairs, I'm going on first. You come up the backside. You follow in the rear. I mean, Jesus. They'll be fighting about something forever. Without a doubt. But if they're making a lot of money, they may not fight during the tour. Only if there's a wall on the stage, bro. Do you see the reunion happening or do you see them? How do you see it? Do you see them just talking till they die? Like talking shit on each other till the day they die? Well, it depends upon whether the British tabloids get tired of printing it. And that'll only happen as long as the Brit tabs are kicking out shit. People keep reading it. I think it's going to be tough to slow it down. They're kind of egotistical about these things, so nobody can get the last word on either one of them. And I think that's part of it, too. Also, part of what their therapist would say is the problem. You think those guys go see a therapist? (laughs) No, I'm always thinking like Jane Lynch, who's the therapist on Two and a Half Men, you know, the uh, Charlie Sheen show. And they have the theoretical therapist. Fair. So as the shit show is an ongoing road show, I guess we'll see what happens down the line. Maybe we have to do a follow-up in a few years about this whole thing. Maybe it'll still be going on. Dude, it looks like this thing will be going on until the day one of them drops dead. And then it'll still go on from beyond the grave via Ouija board. Can't we just hope for a nice Christmas at home with the boys? In case that never happens, we want to thank you for tuning into this episode about Oasis and their sibling rivalry here on the podcast. Uh, we'd like you to join in as well. Always, uh, you can email us at imbalancehistory at gmail.com. There's a way to make comments on our website, imbalancehistory.com, or just, you know, find us on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter. We're on all three. We're on the Pantheon Podcast Network, a production of Dark Duck Media. And that's pretty much going to do it for this episode of the Imbalanced History Podcast, all about Oasis, a band whose relationships are as imbalanced as we are in our approach to this podcast. It's a good thing that we don't fight like these fuckers, though, isn't it? (laughs) Don't want to fight like that. Hey, help us fill in some of those fight gaps at uh, imbalancedhistory at gmail.com or wherever you can reach out to us. And until the next time we get together here on Dark Duck Media, and the Pantheon Podcast Network. Signing off, I'm Ray Koob. I'm Marcus Goldman. And this is the imbalanced history of rock and roll. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 